I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven, Chris, and SP. Welcome to an all-new episode of the official Gunna Geek show. I am Steven, and with me, of course, is Chris Farrell. What up? And also, we've got SP. It's Monday. It is a fun week. I kind of, you know, had had it with work today, so I'm ready to have some fun tonight. This is our bar time, guys. This is our time to get together to talk and to drink uh, coffee or whatever is in our mugs and just BS about geeky stuff. This is a lot of pressure now that we've got to have fun and be entertaining. I was just here to chill. Now I got, oh my God, so much pressure. You were the one beforehand that said that you had a mandate to entertain. So I don't know what your problem is right now, Chris. I'm on a mission from God. It's from the Blues Brothers. I'm sorry. Oh, I thought there was a punchline coming. Okay. Speaking of punches, uh, let's talk about Star Trek Discovery Uh, for a second here. No, I actually want to to not make that joke uh, because I've been feeling really, really, really annoyed lately by all the Trekkie folks that are out there that are like so... Star Trek Discovery is not Star Trek. And they're like, it's not. Can- I-, I literally saw a post today where someone's like, well, look at all that Star Trek that's not canon all. And they literally said that the current star- like CBS stuff is not Star Trek canon. And they're talking the whole well, bl- the whole blanket. And I'm just like, I-, I know you don't like the turn that that Star Trek has gone. That doesn't change the fact that you're wrong and that that it's still Star Trek. So. I used to be one of those guys that was like, Star Trek is sci-fi, and the Star Trek that I know is sci-fi, and that's what sci-fi is. And now I have to say, whether you like it or don't like it, Lower Decks, it's it's part of Star Trek. Well, okay, I don't know what the definition of canon of Star Trek is. Is canon on Star Trek just the stuff that airs on CBS? Not CBS All Access, but CBS. And if that's the case, then everything on well, CBS All Access, including Picard and Lower Decks, is not canon. No, it's canon. Canon's tricky, though, with Star Trek because they split everything off and then kind of brought it all back together because everything is canon that we saw on TV until they did the movies that split off. And that was supposed to be a reboot, but it was the new canon. But the old canon still existed. So then we went back to Picard and Discovery now, which are existing in the old universe, which is still canon. So they've got two distinct universes that are somehow canon that I think in one of the comics they're going to try and cross over in some way, shape, and form because that's where it gets trickier too is some of the comics are now canon. Well, that's that's the whole thing with, with Star Trek, right? Like, And that's why people are quick to be like, well, how can you have two different universes of Star Trek? Hello. They did in the original series. Exactly. Mirror Universe is a critical part of Star Trek. They set up multiple paths, multiple universes in star trek in the original series so so like all these people that are sitting there and be like oh it's not star trek and talking about the movies or discovery or lower decks or whatever get bent 
It's all part of Star Trek. It's all the Star Trek franchise. <laughs> and that's what it is. You don't have to like it. You can say, I don't like Star Trek anymore. You can say, I preferred Star Trek, the original series, which, by the way, you shouldn't prefer that. I, I have come to a grinding halt of my of my Star Trek rewatch when I got to the original series. But that's a whole other point. You can say that you don't like things. You don't get to just unilaterally dismiss part of Star Trek as Star Trek. It's not the way that it is. I don't. Anyways, that's my rant. All right. So right. three, three series are on <gasps> CBS All Access right now. Discovery, uh, the Picard and Lower Decks. Uh, let's let's go one by one. Do you like uh, Picard? Yes. Steven? Yes. Chris? Yeah, it's fine. I, I like Picard, too. Okay, let's go Lower Decks. Steven? Love it. Chris? I haven't watched it, so I have no judgment. Okay, I like it. And now, Discovery. Steven? Yes, I, I enjoy it all three seasons. Okay, Chris, you have not watched season... I know what happens in it. Season three sounds intriguing. The first two seasons, that would be problematic for me. I was liking uh, a lot of Discovery. I have issues with the season finale for season three, but I've enjoyed, they've been entertaining. I've, I've, I've enjoyed watching them, but yeah, with the season finale, they, they've got a lot to redeem in season four, in my opinion. And yes, they do have a and, season four. And I agree. I actually, there's a, I've, we talked about it a little post show. If you've ever come to our live recordings on Mondays at 8.45 PM Eastern, I've talked a little bit about, I, I still have a little disconnect with season three of Discovery. I think they made a lot of wins there. There are some issues I've got as well. So overall, though, I enjoyed it. But, you know, like I kind of set the bar pretty low going into Discovery from the beginning and just decided to go for the ride. And so far, I've, I've enjoyed it. It has it stumbled a little bit. Yeah, it stumbled a bit. Are there things I do different? Yeah. But overall, I've enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm not a hater of it. Welcome to the Internet, though, Stephen, where people get on. And debate what is still canon, what isn't canon. I mean, let me take you back in time to 2002 when Chris was a wee lad of 16 on the Force.net message boards <sighs> debating with people what books were actually canon in the Star Wars Expanded Universe because <laughs> mm. they sort of reshaped what was and wasn't. And was Alan Dean Foster's Splinter of the Mind's Eye canon? No, it wasn't canon, but some people insisted that it was. But there were, there's been conversations like this since the dawn of the internet. But I will give them credit on the Paramount slash CBS access or CBS side of the house. They've been pretty definitive in saying, yeah, these are all canon. I mean, they yeah. didn't get rid of an entire expanded universe like Disney did when they bought Star Wars. Now, years later with reflection, I can sort of understand why they did it. It makes sense. But at the time, pretty pissed off dude right here because <laughs> I'd invested years of my life into reading and buying those books. And now they were worth now they were not accurate. So it felt like a waste because, oh, I've invested in this and you just tossed it all out. So I get where some of that kind of stuff comes from. I don't get the argument of, I don't like this. So that means it's not canon because if that was the case, then the sequel trilogy in Star Wars isn't canon. Well, that takes me perfectly to my point that the most recent trilogy in Star Wars is not canon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are, there, well, you see, here's the thing. There's so many people that try and push that line. You see it, especially yeah. in some of the trash sites out there. Like we got this covered. That all have their conspiracy Sorry, theories I, about I how- missed that. Let's just double tap that. Which site was trash? We got this covered.com, one of the worst websites out there. Don't ever report news from them. You should probably repeat that a third time. We got make- this covered.com. <laughs> yes. They always claim they have a source, that this source gave them something before that was right. When in reality, they just say stuff and see what sticks against the yeah. wall. 
But them and a bunch of other sites out there like to keep reporting on how the Mandalorian and the Disney Plus series are going to retcon and remove the sequel trilogy from Star Wars canon. And I'm like, no, it's not. They're just going to ignore it. There's a difference. So when you said latest trilogy, my mind went to Clone Wars, Rebels, (laughs) Mandalorian. See, that's awesome. (laughs) That's that's good. And those are all canon because everything in Disney's book is canon for Star Wars. That means all of the comics they've published since they acquired Star Wars. Those are canon. All of the cartoon series, those are canon. Anything that you can watch on Disney Plus that's Star Wars, that's canon. Anything you can read from Disney that's Star Wars that has a Disney logo on the book that doesn't say Legends of the Force or whatever it is, which is their old line of stuff, that's all canon. So at least they've made it easy to tell what's canon. But at the same time, I don't think you need to mark everything in Star Trek that is because everything except like some of the old comic books is canon in Star Trek. Yeah, and and I just, like, I don't know, people who are like, well, it's not Star Trek. Things evolve, get over yourself, things change. And if you don't believe that, really go compare what are two iconic, undisputable properties, which is Star Trek TNG later half. Let's go season three onward. And then go and compare it to the original series. Very different, very different products. You want to get the different flavor real well, go take TNG and compare it to the later the later run of uh, Deep Space Nine, True. where they start playing with Shades of Grey and War, which, while I really enjoy that aspect of Deep Space Nine because I think it shook things up, that is not something that Gene Roddenberry would have approved. Because remember, Star Trek was utopia, wagon train to the stars, the better angels of mankind, not yeah. the devils of mankind that control them. And the like I said, I can't remember the name of the episode, I always forget it. But the one episode of Deep Space Nine where Cisco basically tells his personal log story about he lies, cheats, and steals to get the Romulans to join the war so that they don't all lose. And at the end says, I'm okay with doing this. Gene Roddenberry would not have been okay with that episode. I I still say that that's one of the most powerful moments, um, like in in plot wise, in Star Trek. Like, I think there's there's other iconic moments, like from a cultural perspective and like like a history of the franchise perspective from... But from like a plot that's done in Star Trek, I think that's one of the most iconic moments in Star Trek. There's only two actors in Trek that could have pulled that scene off. One of which was Avery Brooks. The yes. other is Patrick Stewart. I don't think anyone else that's been on Star Trek could have pulled off that scene near as well. I agree. So what was the bigger moment in geekdom? The Luke, I am your father moment or the I am Locutus a Borg moment? <sighs> Oh, well, it's, it's got to, well, again, this is also going to be biased by people's personal preference, but Fair. if I had to guess and try and take my preference out of it, it's the, I am your father because it's out of nowhere. You have no idea it's coming. Best of both worlds builds up to, oh my God, what's happening to Picard? Something bad's about to happen. I agree. And also I'm a Star Trek guy, like over Star Wars. If I was to like, say you got to pick one, uh, I'm a Star Trek guy. But the thing is, which, by the way, I enjoy Star Wars, too. Let's not get that dispute going. Here's the thing is the Locutus of Borg moments suffers from the Star Trek undo button effect. That That's what it is with the Locutus thing, because you knew you knew it was going to happen. Like, yes, later there was consequences that they wrote in. They did a couple episodes after. Then there's First Contact. Then there's Picard. You, like, you mean the very first episode after yeah. Best of Both Worlds, where they completely address how screwed up in the PTSD that Picard right, is? Right. But uh, but I mean, like, from, from a general perspective, like, you knew he was not going to be Borg. You knew it wasn't a, like, we're writing off. Patrick Stewart moment and and like in the end 
he gets on with everything until first contact, right? So well, one thing so, you have to realize with Star Trek is death isn't permanent unless your contract's up. Exactly. That's and, the only way someone dies in Star Trek is if their contract. And up. the thing is with, with the whole I am your father <laughs> thing, again, it, like you said, it came from left field. And also it's it was like a, a, a plot that continued through the, like it was a pivotal moment in the plot to continue to move things on. So I think that... Um, for sure, that moment wins. If so, Darth Vader were not Luke Skywalker's father, you'd have no prequels or sequel trilogies as we know them. Let's put it okay, that way. Okay, <laughs> I just had a brainstorm, by the way. So I brought up the trilogy of okay. Clone Wars, Rebels, and Mandalorian. I now want to name that the Ahsoka Saga. Ooh. Well, it's about to be a quadrilogy for lack I, I, of a better term. I don't term. care. It's, it's, the, it's the Ahsoka Tano Saga. I was going to say, Saga doesn't say how many. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, as I said, things evolve, get used to it, and that's why we spent 15 minutes talking about Star Trek right now before we got into the news. Deal with it. Let's go. All right. Let's kick it all off with one of Chris's favorite, favorite things to talk about. Wrestling. Well, wrong company we're going to be talking about. But yes. Oh. So uh, we're going to talk about a streaming service, really, is what this is all about. And for those that aren't aware, the WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment, formerly World Wrestling Federation, they've had a streaming service since about 2014. It was like 10 bucks a month. You basically could watch all of the TV shows and any of the pay-per-views as part of that subscription. It was one of the first streaming services out there. I mean, obviously it didn't beat Netflix, but it was still one of the early ones out there. So what is really interesting today is the news that WWE is shuttering the WWE network here in the United States and instead are now partnering with NBC Universal to move all of that content to part of their Peacock platform. This will start in March. Everything will move there, meaning that by the time Everything's moved dirty. We would watch their March pay-per-view and then WrestleMania in April, which is the biggest pay-per-view, excuse me, of the year that the WWE puts on. So why do they do this? Because it's obviously going to be a wider audience. Peacock is everything NBC Universal has, whether you like it or not. They did put a lot of advertising dollars behind it. They've talked about it a lot, and there's a pretty wide adoption rate. So from a WWE perspective, they can put their content on there get more eyes on it. Oh yeah, Peacock, according to the Wall Street Journal, is going to pay them a billion dollars over five years to license and put that content on their network. So for five years and a billion dollars, that's an entire back catalog of World Wrestling Federation and World Wrestling Entertainment content. Because yes, they do have like all the old pay-per-views. So if you wanted to show your kid, this is when Andre the Giant got slammed by Hulk Hogan, you could pull up that WrestleMania and you could watch it. The back catalog is huge that they have on here. It's pretty impressive. And they made a pretty penny. So you said that the World Wrestling Federation is going to be on there. Will the World Wildlife Fund also be on there? It will not. And they actually oh. do have to blur out a bunch of the old <laughs> WWF logos of course as they part do. of that settlement with them. So if you go and watch some of the old stuff, you'll oftentimes see like the WWF logo blurred out. Or in some cases, they no longer have the musical rights to like someone's entrance music, so they'll have to redub some of it and things like that. It's it's pretty interesting what they've had to do there. And 
we we've kind of thought for a while that Vince McMahon was looking to do something different with the WWE network. Because if you'd been paying attention here in the States, at least at the beginning of the year, beginning of last year, rather, you were seeing a lot of WWF, excuse me, WWE content on ESPN. Like they were showing old WrestleManias. They're doing segments on SportsCenter about upcoming pay-per-views. And there had been hints there that they were trying to make a deal with Disney to basically fold the WWE network into one of their streaming products, be it ESPN Plus or Hulu or something like that. That obviously fell through. And at this point, it's now been reported there will be no additional WWE content talked about on ESPN, aka Disney, which makes sense because they're not going to make any money off of it that way. So how does this work? If you're a current subscriber to the WWE Network, pretty much your subscription is going to carry over and give you a Peacock subscription, and you'll be able to watch things there. If you're not subscribed to the network, how do things work? Well, it will be available on the premium tier that Peacock has at $4.99 a month, and the ad-free tier, excuse me, the ad-free tier at $4.99, no, premium at $4.99, ad-free at $9.99. Their naming convention confused me for a second there. I apologize. So effectively, you could be saving $5 a month if you went to the premium tier of Peacock, which has some ads, and it could still watch all of your wrestling. So why is this important? This is a rare case where streaming just actually got simpler for us. We don't have to pick up another subscription so we can watch things. If you're a pro wrestling fan, you just swap over to Peacock, potentially save some money, and you get additional things you can watch. All the NBC properties are available on there. So if you really love Dateline NBC, you've got years and years of Dateline or things from USA Network like Suits or Burn Notice, stuff like that. From a WWE perspective, why would they do this? They launched a network in 2014, kind of relaunched it, made the app better. Well, here's probably the biggest reason, aside from the, five, aside from the billion dollars or $5 billion, what was the number? $1 billion, excuse me, over five years. That they were getting Say paid. it right, Chris. I'm sorry? Say it right, Chris. I'm getting my numbers all confused. <laughs> I apologize. Billion, billion dollars. Yeah, there you go. So why would WWE Network do this? If you go and look at the metrics and the numbers they've released, their service capped, peaked at 2 million subscribers. That's not, that's not, a, that's not a number you wouldn't respect. But let's look at what Peacock has. Right now, Peacock has 22 million users. Now, notice I said users. This includes the free tier of Peacock, which there is a free tier that the WWE Network will not be available on. But you potentially have 22 million pairs of eyes that now would see, oh, there's pro wrestling content on here. I might want to watch that. So you potentially bring more eyes to the product, then have more people potentially watching events on television because they air three shows a week. They also air monthly pay-per-view events. Those are all going to be available on this app, but also via the traditional broadcast channels. And it's a win for them. They're making a billion dollars, don't have to run their own app in the United States. Notice I pointed that out. The WWE Network will remain an application for all subscribers outside the United States. So Stephen in Canada, Mm. if you wanted to watch WWE Network content, you would just have to subscribe to the WWE Network because you don't have Peacock, for instance. I'll just, go assuming- watch, I'll just go watch some content of the same caliber, like TLC or something. <laughs> I mean, it's male soap opera with athletic events in it. Now, I'm not discounting it. I just don't watch a lot of WWE content. I just thought it was interesting to see simplification of streaming and the money that was involved in them doing it. I would worry about the longevity of any 
streaming service that doesn't include the United States that only has a cap of 2 million users already, I, I would worry about that long term. Well, WWE Network is international currently. So those 2 million users were across the globe. Peacock is only wow. United States. So I don't know how many they're going to lose. That's crazy. That's that actually number. like, I didn't, I thought that was, you were talking about the users being acquired into the app. That's really low worldwide, 2 million. Wow. Right. And, and I still, I, I maintain my comment. I worry about the longevity of that long term because I just don't see it growing. Well, the uh, like I think that this is what we're going to see here, and it's not the first time we've seen things like this happen, where there has been a balloon of a product, and then the big players eat up the little players because they mm-hmm. just can't. People aren't willing to put out the money to support that little player if they go elsewhere, and I think this is what we're going to see. Is there are money is so tight with everybody for streaming services right now which streaming services are uh, am i going to pay for we have people who are balancing streaming services throughout the year because they don't want to have any more concurrent subscriptions and so if you're looking at that and you're like i could put that money towards the content on peacock or i can put that towards just wwe like which is i i know peacock's more expensive but like where where is the better bang well, for your buck right WWE Network will no longer exist in the United States. So if people want this, they have to yeah. go to Peacock. So, but that's what yeah. I'm saying is like, so at the moment, that's the decision people have, right? Like, and so I think that if you have all of these big umbrellas that are coming out, then the it's going to be really hard to get the, the little guys to get some of the money. And I use WWE little guys because compared to the big library, it's, it's a small amount of content, right? Uh, that you get on some of these other services, right? It's a very spe- specific type of content, I should say. Well, I mean, say. it's 30 years of pay-per-views yeah. and television. Yeah, but sorry. Uh, but what I'm saying is it's it's one genre as opposed to Peacock or yeah. CBS All Access, which is now Paramount+, Plus, which is a bunch of different type of content. And I think that's what we're seeing with the CBS All Access thing. While we were doing our Star Trek talk in our chat that we have, Albert had said that the CBS All Access Twitter has now been renamed to Paramount+, Plus, which is something else we talked about is their whole evolution And that's also to get more content under one umbrella. So I think that this makes sense that you're going to see like more unique and maybe little was probably the wrong term, but I mean, more focused content get gobbled up or licensed into some of these bigger umbrellas. Vince McMahon's play has always been trying to get more eyes on the WWE. I mean, we go back to the mid 90s. That's the attitude area. You had folks like Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. It's arguably one of the biggest boom periods in wrestling. It's never gotten back close to that after that. Like you go and look at the television ratings, even with DVR numbers factored in, they're like maybe a third or a quarter of that. So from from a business perspective, they look at this as a way to bring more eyes to their product and hopefully get more people interested in watching. They're never going to get back to what they were before. But you also have to realize wrestling fans are a pretty dedicated fan base. They'll dedicate their time and money and they'll obsess over it. And if you thought Star Wars Twitter and message boards were crazy, wait until you go on pro wrestling Twitter threads or message boards because it gets even crazier there, especially when you start having arguments between, well, I like WWE more than I like AEW and people going just nuts over fanboyism. It's insane. So there is a dedicated fan base that will follow this to Peacock, and their hope is that they can spread that out and be like, oh, well, Johnny is a huge fan and has been for 20 years. But Jim watched a few episodes of this growing up and has nostalgia and decided to check it out. Now he watches a couple episodes of things a week and we've got him interested in the product. 
Okay, you know, you bring up a point here, and we should probably move on from this, but it's a good topic. Um, w- during the time that it ballooned, like I know you and I were were pretty pretty young back then, Chris. We were we were younger. What what in, right like? But we were the right age group for what WWF was at that right. point in time. We were and the target demo. I remember as a young Steven, I was never into it, but I remember I had classmates that were, and and people were like. Bl- really thinking it was like a really authentic product. Is that why <laughs> why the ratings haven't? Because like there was that no. sort of generation there that was focused that was like, this is real. This is like, a, you know, that sort so, of thing, right? So that's just a change in how the, how people understand things. Like professional okay. wrestling has always been scripted. I'm not going to say it's fake because there's real athletic things going on, but the outcomes are all scripted. They know that going into this match, Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to win. But it's up to Stone Cold and his opponent to figure out how that match is going to work, any promos going into it, stuff like that. And they do crazy things out there. And there's a thing called kayfabe in professional wrestling. And in the olden days, kayfabe was a big thing, which is these guys lived their gimmick in and out of the ring. You don't really have that nowadays. Everyone has the wink and a nod to be like, yeah, this is what it's like on TV. But then you go and watch the same people on their Twitch channel where they're completely different than the character they portray on TV because their Twitch channel is just them hanging out with people playing video games. So kayfabe is kind of dead nowadays. And it it was blurred a lot when we got into the mid 90s. And then they just kind of gave up on it because with the advent of like social media and things like that, it's pretty obvious when you see the undertaker in line at Wendy's to buy food that he's not really there as the undertaker. He's there as Mark Calloway. So you've got to have the understanding that kayfabe is dead. And some people still don't get that, especially some of the older professional wrestlers who still live their gimmick. <coughs> Ric Flair. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> All right. So bottom line, uh, I hear that you're going to be starting a Peacock podcast with Cody Goff. That is entirely about WWE. That's what I thought you were going to do. I think he watches the product still. I haven't, I don't actually watch WWE anymore, but I'll be honest, if it's available on Peacock, which I have through my cable company, I don't pay extra for it. It makes it more convenient for that one time a year when I go, hey, it's WrestleMania. I should sign up for a month to watch WrestleMania. I don't have to sign up now. So they'll get extra eyes like they're used to for WrestleMania weekend through the Peacock app then. I was never a wrestling fan, but I, I do recognize the fact that WWE ECW used to be on the Sci-Fi Network, which was mm-hmm. NBC Universal. So there is a pre-existing business relationship with WWE and NBC Universal. So for what it's worth, it's not surprising to me that this move was made. Oh, and they've done events on like NBC before, like uh, Saturday night wrestling events and stuff like that, especially back in like the 80s and early 90s. So they've had a relationship with NBC and Vince McMahon partnered with NBC to do the XFL originally in the version one iteration of it. So there is a relationship there. It'll be all right for everyone in general. This is one of those moves you look at as a consumer and go, hey, as a consumer, I can at least get behind this because I'm not getting screwed by it. Exactly. It's more content than the library until Peacock has to up their price. Well, wait five years from now when the deal's up and we'll see what happens. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) <laughs> well, thanks for updating us on that, and we look forward to your wrestling talk. Uh, let's go on to the next news point here, which I've billed on the sidebar for the video viewers as an SLS update, but I know you got two updates, so go ahead, SP. Yeah, actually, I have three quick hits to talk about. First of all, as I talked about last week, the SLS test shut down 
was early due to a, at that time, we thought it was a major component failure. That wasn't the case of the shutdown at all. The four engine core of the SLS was shut down early due to a conservative test parameter on the engine hydraulics themselves. So the things that gimbal the engines back and forth. NASA wrote in its blog that it was keeping on these green tests that, quote, if this scenario occurred during a flight, the rocket would have continued to fly using the remaining CAPUs to power the thrust vector control systems for the engines, unquote. Now, I know that's a lot of tech speak. So basically, the core stage auxiliary power units, or the CAPUs, actually power the TCVs, which is the thrust vector control, which is the gimbling for the uh, engines. And it had some sort of a parameter that was outside that the test parameters were. And the NASA engineers and the Boeing engineers got together and they decided that the rocket could have continued its flight with those uh, scenarios out uh, or there was parameters out of the uh, the scenario. So uh, this was not a devastating thing so far for the SLS engines. However, there was an additional major component failure reading that occurred 1.5 seconds into the engine test. The test obviously ran longer than that. It was ran for about four minutes. It did not contribute to the shutdown, this MCF. The reading, it was an instrumentation or might have been an instrumentation issue for engine number four. The MCF remains under investigation the last I saw. Now, the four-engine core remains in good shape, and at this time, it remains unclear if the core will perform another hot-fire test in the coming weeks or if they will continue on with the stacking of the core onto the rocket body in another location. So we'll see about that. But it sounds like this is not going to be a devastating thing for the SLS. Uh, I heard a lot of tech speak in there that went over my head. I'll I'll confess it right now. (laughs) Basically, it there was two things that went wrong with the test. There was an early indication that the there was a sensor that went bad in 1.5 seconds in for engine number four. Engine number four is fine, but they are still investigating it to be sure. And then what shut down the test was just a parameter that was out uh, outside of the test parameters. So they just shut it down. But NASA says it would have been good for a flight. So just like the movie Apollo 13, one of the engines was uh, shut down early and they remained with the other four. This would have been a similar situation. The four engines would have been fine. They would have continued on with the flight. TLDR, we good. (laughs) (laughs) We we good. So the SLS, the the Artemis system is, uh, I won't say on track, but it will continue development. Now, the other thing that I've been tracking the last couple of weeks was the SpaceX SN9 launch. By the time you might listen to this later with the finished product of the podcast, this might have already happened. I know I've said that for the last two weeks, but there has been uh, some test fires of the replaced engines. There's been a total of four test fires on SN9, two before the engine swap, two after. They're good to go. They had Monday, January 25th, which is today, and the next two days have NOTAMs, notice to airmen's, to which would close off the airspace around Boca Chica. Yes, there's your drinking game. I just said Boca Chica. <laughs> All right, let me get my drink. Yeah, there you go. And unfortunately, they didn't launch today on Monday, the 25th of January because of high winds, but there is opportunities in the next two days for it to launch. So look for some test flight video of SN9. I have no idea what time the uh, the the actual notums run for 
pretty much all day during the light down in Boca Chica. So we'll see, but it is ready to go. And apparently the swap of the two Raptor engines went well, and hopefully they will not have a RUD event. Boca Chica. I just had to say it myself. Yeah, Boca Chica, Boca Chica, Boca Chica, Boca Chica. Boca Chica. <laughs> yeah. Four, five, I actually, I've never, I've never been to Boca Chica, and I want to go to Boca Chica. I've been down in the Brownsville area, but I've never been to Boca Chica, so I, I do want to go there. Hey, you Nine. know what? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. If you go to, if you go to Boca Chica, uh, I'm just gonna keep saying it now. Uh, yeah, right. What we'll it's do, fun to say, isn't what it? we'll do is, while you're there, we'll we'll do an episode of this, and we'll make sure that there's a like a a special intro where we'll be like live from Boca Chica. It's SP. <laughs> that would be cool. And, I'm glad and then, it's only water in this cup tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last thing that I want to say is don't forget that NASA's Perseverance rover is scheduled to land on Mars on February 18th, 2021. That's coming up in just a couple of weeks. I might, depending on what time of day it's scheduled, I might actually take off work to be at home to watch it. This has the drone that I'm going to fly to, right? Yeah, it has ingenuity on board that yeah, drone that yeah, you're not going to fly. That I'm going to fly, right? Perfect. So I want to make you're sure you're not going to gonna fly. Uh, okay, <laughs> I, I want to make sure though to uh, pay attention to this. All right. Well, let's uh, move on from me flying this over to Xbox Gold because uh, that's where all the skills that I've learned on how to fly this remotely has been through Xbox. That's what it's been. That's where I learned all about how to fly this drone that I'm going to fly. No comment, SP. You're ignoring it now. <laughs> well, I mean, there is a flight sim. Microsoft Flight Simulator is coming to Xbox, so you could theoretically. All right. Well, moving on to Xbox, let's talk this about is Xbox. some good tea. <laughs> I don't know if you heard about this, but there was a recent announcement that <laughs> it was looking like Xbox Live Gold was going to be going up in price. If you don't know about it, wasn't this, looking like it. They did it. <laughs> so <laughs> Xbox Live Gold was announced to be increasing is what they had said they were going to do. And uh, I don't. Chris is telling me that they increased it, but my understanding from this article was they backed out of the price increase. So it was I, technically increased for 15 hours, I oh, think, okay. before they backed out. That's that's the technicality <laughs> there. Okay. So what happened was it was announced that they were going to be increasing. It was, I guess some people would say it was quite a bit. Some people would say, okay, it's just a little bit. Uh, how, how Steven, it effectively doubled the yearly price of Xbox Live with no tangible benefit. The month to month, however in Canada was not going to be going up. And this is where I'm going with, with the, the split opinion because there are people that pay month to month. And like in Canada, the one month gold subscription was set to be going up to $12.99 from $11.99. So not a huge difference, but I know that there was the big deals on the annual that were supposed to be going up. So it kind of depended on how you were paying. However, nonetheless, it was an increase that a lot of people got upset with. And Microsoft did decide that they are going to backpedal on that. Quote, we messed up today and you were right to let us know. Connecting and playing with friends is a vital part of gaming and we failed to meet the expectation of players who count on it every day. As a result, we have decided not to change Xbox Live Gold pricing, end quote. So they backpedaled on this and... What I thought was really interesting about this was not only did they backpedal, but they are saying that free-to-play games that need that um, Xbox Live Gold to connect online are actually not going to need the paid subscription anymore in order to play online. So things like Apex Legends and Fortnite are no longer going to need an Xbox Live Gold subscription 
in order to play online. So this is interesting to me because I get that everybody feels that they won right now. However, there was a reason Microsoft was increasing it. I could have been greed, could have been investment in other platform or other technology that they needed to, could have been a thousand other reasons. But they made that decision. They made the decision to increase it. You may have won right now, but now they're also giving away for free. That could very well have also been the reason why was to offset some of some of that. I don't know that this isn't just going to yield more disappointment down the road when they have to charge even more because they they delayed this action. I I, I don't know that this is a big win. Two things to keep in mind. Um, Xbox Live, having to have Xbox Live Gold to play Apex Legends and Fortnite was BS, and it shouldn't have been the case because you look at the Nintendo Switch and the PlayStation, they did not require you to subscribe to their online services to play free-to-play games. I, I agree. Remember, Microsoft is, Microsoft is also the same people that made it so you couldn't use the Netflix app at one point in time unless you had Xbox Live Gold. So they've needed to refine how this works for a long time. I agree, but I've also agreed with that point for years now. I I thought that the entire subscription model of of Xbox gaming, and I don't know a lot about PlayStation in current generation, but back when I first was like looking at it in like PlayStation 3 era, I think it was, PlayStation 3 had all this online playability that you didn't need a subscription, and Xbox was. So I agree, but going back that far, once we accepted that, I, I don't know, like, I don't know that I think that there really was an issue in it being being that way um, because that was the model. I take issues with the model. But so there was a difference, though. Back then, you were talking about like ad hoc servers that stood up to play things versus now with like PlayStation Now and Xbox Live. There's dedicated servers that are stood up by both game makers and Sony and Microsoft to play these games. So your subscription goes to having access to those kind of things, which I'm kind of okay with. The thing you've got to realize here is this was a huge unforced error by Microsoft to kick off a new console generation. They effectively made it so you buy a new console for little Jimmy who loves to play Apex Legends or wants to play Halo with all his friends when it comes out. And now it's $120 a year if you buy yearly memberships to do this if you have Xbox Live Gold. Remember I mentioned that specifically. We'll come back to it in a second. Meanwhile, if little Jimmy wants to go and play Apex Legends on his Nintendo Switch or PlayStation, he doesn't even have to subscribe to their networks to do that. You can do that with a free account. That was a huge difference. That's something they've had to fix for a while. But the bigger thing was they literally doubled the price yearly while their competitors kept their price the same at the beginning of a new console launch. When you look at that and start weighing the benefits, you go, okay, here's the games I'm going to want to play. I want to play Call of Duty, stuff like that. So there's a yearly cost of 60 bucks on PlayStation, a yearly cost of $120 on Xbox with gold. So why did they do this? Because some dumb bean counter went, hey, if you raise the price of Xbox Live Gold, you'll get more people to buy Game Pass for 10 to 15 bucks a month, depending on what tier they want, and we'll get more people there. And if you buy Game Pass Ultimate at 15 bucks a month, that's Xbox Live plus Game Pass. It was a move to try and push gamers over to that side of the house. So while this did not affect me because I've subscribed to Game Pass Ultimate with prepaid cards for like three years, I looked at it and went, oh, this is a bad, bad move. 
and they deservedly ate a crap sandwich for 15 hours and are still eating one to an extent. You have to give them a little credit, though, that instead of doubling down and be like, oh, we're going to stick to our guns, they realize, no, this, this outcry from the fan base here, this isn't just we're cranky and don't like it. This is, no, there's a lot of people that are on the fence that have now said, nope, Xbox is off the table for me because that additional 60 bucks a year for online connectivity doesn't do much for me. They had to backtrack and they did. Now, is the price going to increase? I'm sure it'll increase at some point in time. And I'm sure it'll be about the same time that PlayStation increases their price. But it's surely not going to double this next time around. I, I don't know that I see it the same way as you. I, I truly think that they're going to do this, get this another way. And I think that we've taught like... What's the other way? When we've talked about how Game Pass has been such, especially Game Pass Ultimate, has been such such a good deal it's kind of like what like there has been such a good deal there that you've almost been assuming that they had to make that up somehow and i think that's what they were doing here is that they were they're trying to balance it out so they can keep the game pass price down and I, so, Stephen, what I, is I just, Game Pass? I, I don't see that i i really think that if they made this decision actively and and like you said, such a big change on the yearly price. I don't see them just going away and being like, okay, that's fine. You guys win this time. We don't need that money, even though we were planning on it. But it wasn't a play for the money. It was a play to push people to Game Pass. That's, that's, a, that's what the play was. It's a great theory. And that's all it is, is a theory. So is your theory that they're doing it just to make extra bank. We're both throwing out theories here let's keep that in mind absolutely which is Neither one of us is insiders no <laughs> and that's that's what my point is right like because the fact that they're theories we don't know for sure which is why you can't bank on either of the points but what what you can do is know that they were planning on having that money and they were that that is oh, hold an, on, hold in, on. this is microsoft hold on this is microsoft that makes how many billion dollars a year that game pass excuse me the xbox live gold is so fundamental a core profit thing for them that they had to double come on come on <laughs> no come on. I, it doesn't matter like you brought in the bean counters <laughs> one of the bean counters said this is the money that we're going to we're going to do this means that we're going to have this in our budget going forward they're going to still want that in their budget going forward, maybe slightly altered. They're, they're going to make it lives, up. Xbox Live subscriptions are a rounding error when it comes to their Azure cloud stuff. Well, I... I when it comes to what those numbers are. Let's be honest here. I, <laughs> I think that anytime there's anything of financial increase, there are merits, there are, there's the reason that the company has done that. Whether they're ridiculous reasons or not, they've banked on that money at that point. That's what but here's it is. the problem. They're going to have the same problem, which is it's a PR black eye and people won't buy their new console that they just launched. I know a couple of people the who I know go a, couple, away. a couple of people who said that they'd never watch CBS All Access because of the black eye that it had. And those people have watched CBS All Access, right? Like, you know, it's. Yes, it's and all... I turned it on for two months and I haven't turned it on again. There's a difference here between investing $600 in hardware and then having a recurring subscription fee on top of that. I'm just saying you so, can't get away from sometimes it. people get over that black eye. They they accept it and they move on. And if they have You need to go on gaming subreddits. <laughs> they don't get over those black eyes there. <laughs> I, 
people love Xbox. Pe- people love Xbox and people love PlayStation. They're not going to switch an entire console system to something that they don't like because of $60 a year. It's not going to happen. It's not. You're talking about... about you're already uh, seeing it You're talking about right like now. a five to $600 console switch over 60 bucks a year. And there are people who prefer one method over the other for other reasons. You know, people like people are so quick to get grumpy and stuff. And everybody thinks that when something like this blows up, that it means everybody's going to cancel. When so many people are actually, when push comes to shove, they'll be like, okay, take my money. The cancellation is less of a problem than the PR issue that arises from it. Well, we'll have to disagree on this, but I think that this is another example of gamers being loud, winning, but it also not have going to have been a big problem if they had stuck their ground and that gamers just like to whine and complain. Yeah, they'd have all pivoted to Game Pass. And they'd have gotten what they wanted. Yeah. So that's why I think I think in the end, like they didn't need to cave. That's that's no, my they, thought. No, that. I'll completely disagree, especially at the beginning of a console launch. SP, you've been quiet. Go ahead. <laughs> I've learned a new term in this discussion, which Chris said earlier on, unforced error, a careless or foolish mistake. I like it. I I'm like going to use too. it from now on. It's good. Unforced mm-hmm. error. It's good. Yeah. I mean, but that. That's what it is here. There was nothing there that was like, oh my God, you have to change prices to be competitive. They just did it. Yeah. Well, any other thoughts on it? What about the price? Because I know that you've had Xbox and PlayStation for a couple of generations now. Yeah, and I get that annual bill that comes in. And I go, ah, for, for <laughs> the subscriptions for both when they come in. Like, ah, I, need, I need to get rid of these. But I occasionally use it. So I'm like, okay. Uh, it, it's annoying. Uh, I wish I could use the full functionality of the consoles without it, but you know, it, it's it is what it is. This is where they're making the buck. I mean, the hardware is is part of it, but the software that is behind these systems simply could not be developed and run without some sort of subscription model. And this is part of how they do it. So okay, it's no different from any other thing that's out there these days. Everything's going to a subscription model that has software. Companies will always get you. That was my big argument. Companies get you no matter what. The 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 man is always gonna get you down. Or the oh, woman. See, I don't disagree. They're eventually gonna get you, but they're gonna be smarter about it. Which is, the prices are gonna increase on all of these services at about the same time. I mean, we've gone collusion. <laughs> we've talked about various different services either here or on Better Podcasting with Stephen and I that. You know, they're free or they try to make a price hike and there's this big, uh, the smart devices, you know, that yeah. we were talking about for a while. It's like, oh, no, we're, we're going to be free forever. Don't worry about it. Then, oh, no, we need to pay for this. We need to charge subscriptions and, you know, make it mandatory for subscriptions. Mm-hmm. And then when there's this mass exodus, oh, no, we were just kidding. Don't worry. And then a month later, hey, we have these subscriptions. I mean... Yeah, it, it, once you're you're into it, and it, I know that these things were both on PlayStation and Xbox's uh, Microsoft side. I know that they were already subscriptions, so it's not like free to subscription. But the cost is just going to go up. But one thing that these places are going to have to keep in mind is eventually the biggest uh, the biggest customer base is going to be kids that are going to have their parents have to 
pay for this. So it's not, they're not marketing towards the parents, they're marketing towards the kids. And that's why all of us parents have to pay so much a year on subscriptions. All right, well, that's a good segue into our segment that we have here, which is all about subscriptions. Or is that's it? That's right. Well, it sort of is. Real. 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 We'll get to that in a second. So we do talk a lot on this show about different subscription services. In fact, my news to open the show was all about subscription services. And as I took my 10-minute break for lunch today, I was over on The Verge and I saw they had put together a quiz on different streaming services that are out there for streaming television kind of things. And the question was, could you figure out whether these services are real and fake? And I went through it and I, I will say I did okay on that quiz. But as I was reading that, I went, huh, this could be pretty fun for us to kind of go through and do as a group online. I tweaked things a little bit, so we had a little bit of extra stuff in there. But we've got, I think, 14 streaming services here, not all of which are real, that I want to go through and ask these guys and the chat room, are these real or fake? And if they're real, I'll give you a little bit of background on them so you know what they are. Because some of these I looked at and went, I don't even know what the hell that is. I think it's a streaming service. And then answered and found out what it was and went, Oh, no wonder I didn't know what this is. <laughs> and Albert says he saw it on Cord Killers already this morning. Damn it. Beat us. <laughs> so you have a bit of an advantage right now, Albert. Well, you know what, though? Uh, it sure sounds like you're going to slay this segment about cord cutting. Maybe you should think- call it cord slaying. I don't know if I own that domain still that I bought on a lark at one point in time. <laughs> I did own cordslayers.com though, because it entertained me. So we've got some console or not console, some streaming services to talk about here. And I'm going to ask SP and Steven whether they think they're real or fake. And I'm not going to make you guys be like, we have to have different answers. You guys can pick your hearts content. We may have a tie game at the end. We'll also let the chat room play along. And if you guys are good to go, why don't we kick this thing off? All right, let's do it. It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's start off with our first streaming service. And gentlemen, I have to ask you, is Crunchyroll real or fake? Stephen, why don't you start us off? Uh, it sounds too fake to be fake, so I'll go real. <laughs> SP, I'm, do you? Th- I'm going to say fake. I think that's a a website. Well, the answer here is that it is real. Okay. Crunchyroll is an anime specific site. <laughs> it right. had over three million subscribers at last report. Where this gets interesting, though, is Sony obviously believes there's a lot of potential in it because they just bought it from AT&T at the end of 2020 for a billion dollars. Okay. Is wow. it, dollars. Is it a streaming site or is it a website with streaming on it? It is a website and an app that you can put on TVs and phones and things like that. Right. So, so it is a service. I, yeah, it is a subscription service. But it's not an it's not exclusively a streaming service. So I mean it's it's effectively like Netflix, but for anime. Yeah, but they have a website with like news articles and stuff on it. I don't know if they do or not, but I how do you I know this? Have to go Did and... you cheat? Did you look it up? Did you Google? No, I just remember because <laughs> uh, it was uh, it was a search I was doing before or something like that. All right. So bottom line is uh, I got it right. Is that what I search now? Yeah. (laughs) And there's my one point for the game. (laughs) Next up, I will let SP take the lead on this one. Pluto TV. Is it real or fake? 
That's real. Steven? I'll go real as well. That is, in fact, a real service. It's owned by Viacom CBS. There's a free and ad-supported tier. They claim to have 22 million users each month. They've also got a bunch of like old Star Trek and stuff on there that they play mm-hmm. on loop that's all ad-supported. So you can go watch like the TNG channel if you want, or the TOS channel, or you can go watch episodes of like MTV's The Challenge on there. There's a boatload of stuff on Pluto TV. My pause on that was because I thought you were going to be something silly like, no, oh, it's just called Pluto. Ha I don't have any gotchas okay. like that. There's right. no gotchas where I'm like, ah, I hacked a word off, so you'd be wrong. <laughs> I did nothing like it's that. It's called Pluto <laughs> Television. That's a good catch because he's done that to us before. <laughs> it's called Pluto's not a planet. <laughs> Next up, Steven's going to kick us off. This service is called Shudder. S-H-U-D-D-E-R. Shudder. Is it real or fake? I'm going to go fake. Okay. Steven says fake. SP, how about you? I think it's fake, but I'm going to go real just to be different. SP, I'm glad you did that because it is, in fact, a real (laughs) service. It is owned by AMC, and they offer horror movies and have a million paying subscribers. They position themselves as, quote, a complimentary platform to Netflix. Mm. All right, then. So we're tied up. We are tied up. Uh, The next service is Zumo. X-U-M-O. SP, I believe you're up first on this one. Zumo. Oh, it's not ringing a bell, but I'm not that adept at all the streaming services, so I'll go real. Steven, do you think Zumo is real or fake? I ain't go fake. Well, Zumo is real, and I only I'd only seen it because I installed it when I got an Android TV because I was curious about it. It is a free ad-supported streaming site that leverages short-form web videos, has music channels, breaking news, epic fails, and brief clips from other TV networks. It's basically a dumping ground for repurposed YouTube videos, as they yeah, put yeah. it. So it's not a streaming Go service? Figure. It is a streaming service, okay. but it's a free streaming service similar to Pluto TV. Okay. I, I was... He- he wanted to swap the numbers. <laughs> yeah. He wanted to swap them. Steven, I think you're up first on this one. Asian Crush. Is that a streaming service or not? Is it real or fake? Asian Crush. It sounds so fake. It sounds so <laughs> fake. I'm going to go real. Oh. SP, do, you th- do you think Asian Crush is real or fake? <sighs> this one is kind of ringing a bell, but I don't know why. You know... The girls on the ladies, not girls, but the ladies on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that's probably why I heard a crunchy roll before, because a lot, a lot of anime stuff. And we were talking about it after show and I, I mm-hmm. went there months ago. It's not something I go there all the time. But I think Lauren was mentioning something about it about a month ago. So I'm going to go real, but I, I can't place it. So guys, Asian Crush is in fact real. I thought it was fake. They promised, quote, the best of Pan-Asian entertainment, end quote. Wow. It's a, broad offering of, it's a broad offering of movies and shows from East and Southeast Asia under a name that sounds like a porn site. I, I <laughs> thought it was all about those of us that really like Asian cuisine. Mm, that could be. It could be. Asian the next, Crush? Like, like Asian Orange Crush? crush? Like orange crush. No, like yeah. like I like 
Asian cuisine so much that that is going to be my my uh, true love of my life is Asian cuisine. That's that's the crush. Well, you do live on the West Coast, so you're closer to the Asian peninsula than we are. Actually, you know what Asian crush sounds like? Asian crush sounds like a, like a really modern era WWE character. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> the next service we have, and I think it's SPs up next. Okay. It's movie. M-O-O-V-I. Oh. Movie. I have heard of this, but I don't know if it's a streaming service or not. I will say yes, but I don't know. Okay. Steven, do you think movie's a thing? I'll say no. That is correct. It doesn't exist. Okay. It's a play on words. You're probably thinking of things like Tubi or Mo- or Mubi, M-U-B-I. I guess that's Mubi is what they call it. Philo or Voodoo, all of which have similar sounds. Okay. So now we both need to get it all wrong from here on out. So we're tied, SP. That's the way this these games work. I guess. We got a total of 14. How many questions have we had so far? Six? We're on number seven right okay. now. Okay. Yeah. This one, it's Steven, I believe you're up this time. Art House Now. Is it real or fake? Art House Now. I'm going to go f- not a streaming service. Okay. SP is Art House Now a streaming service? Yeah, I was shaking my head during the entire time that he was answering. No, I'm, I'm going to say no, it's not a streaming service. Yeah. And of course it will be. It is not actually. Oh, it is, it is a fake service, but there are other services out there that focus on art house movies. You've got the Criterion Channel, Kino Now, and Canopy spelled with a K that all focus on uh, art house type movies. Okay. And art house legends stream. I heard that's coming to you. That is true. <laughs> SP, this next one goes to you. All right. This service is called Ovid, capital O, all capital, O-V-I-D, all caps, Ovid. <sighs> I This doesn't sound familiar, but I, I'm just going to say no. I'll say yes to change things up. Steven, you got it right. It is real. Mm, it is. I uh, knew that. It features <laughs> indie and global cinemas. They think it's named after the Roman poet, but it might remind people of coronavirus is the concern. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Steven, why don't you kick us off? Fubo TV. Is that real? Yes, it is. Yes. It that is. is correct. Fubo TV is a subscription television service similar to YouTube TV, Hulu TV, and the like, much like cable. You can subscribe and watch, but here there's no cancellation. It's $64.99 a month. Not cheap. Not cheap at all. <laughs> SP, why don't you kick us off on this next one? Universal Plus. Is Universal Plus a thing? I don't know. I'm just going to say no. All right. SP says no. Steven, what do you think about Universal Plus? No, it's not. It's not a thing. Universal Plus is fake, but it did follow some of the branding we've seen with Disney Plus, Discovery Plus, and things like that, where they like to toss a plus on at the end of things to make you think it's a great service that adds on to things. Like Gunna Geek Plus. Like Gunna Geek Plus. That's up to you, man. (laughs) Next one we have, we'll go to SP. Acorn. Is Acorn real or fake? Oh, I'll go real. I don't know. I haven't heard of it. Not ringing a bell. SP says real. Steven, do you say say real or fake? I'll say real as well. It is real. It's an American streamer for people who like to watch British television. It comes from the Acorn Media Group, which has distributed British shows in the US since the 90s. Although back then, 
It was on VHS, according to The Verge. What is the BBC <laughs> streaming service called? It's called something specifically. Either you two oh. remember what it's called? Well, Stephen, well, let me pivot to this and say, hey, BritBox, is that real or fake? Yeah, okay. Uh, it's real. It's definitely yeah, real. It's, that's real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, BritBox is real. It is the uh, BBC and ITV venture that does uh, yeah. British streaming service or streaming content. Here as in soon as I, I mean, I would have said yes as soon as you said yeah. it anyway. Yeah. We've heard Albert talk about it in the chat room yeah. before. Well, I mean, the, the guys over at Gallifrey Public Radio say it all the time. So, yeah. That's true. Uh, two more left, and we'll go to SP for this one. All one word, popcorn flicks, but as F-L-I-X. Yeah, it, yes, it is. It is. Yes. It is, yes. That is correct. Popcorn flicks is real. And I didn't know this, but the folks that did Chicken Soup for the Soul were a media conglomerate. And in 2017, they bought popcorn flicks. So the Chicken Soup for the Soul folks own popcorn flicks. And isn't that but, the one where there's commercials in the middle of movies or something like that? Well, a lot Probably. of them are like that. Because it's ad-supported. A lot of these that I'm saying yes to, I'm saying yes because I've seen them as apps that suddenly appear on my Roku device yeah. that I have no idea <laughs> yeah. what the heck yeah, they're, I mean, they're for. That one there, that's exactly how I knew about that one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> one last one, and we're going to go to one Steven first. Gunna Geek Plus. I just, just said that a minute ago. Yeah, is it real or fake? <laughs> Which way are you going to answer, SB? I'm going to I'm going to say it's real. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say it's fake. <laughs> it's real. Go to gunnageekplus.com. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> now, with the plus uh, sign, you, you, you got to spell it out. He did register it. He did register it. So, but <laughs> I've had this registered since 4 p.m. It's not, oh. but, but it's not a streaming service. It's just a hyperlink oh, oh, to our gonna, YouTube channel. I was going to say, no. as the one that is, that is is technically, at this point, winning by two points, I would like to dispute the results. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to dispute the results. That, that is not true. Push. It's a push. Nobody gets a point. <laughs> no, I disagree. A, a hyperlink to an existing YouTube channel does not call, count as a streaming service. I, I have control of the visual oh, okay. overlay. Good, good, thank you. <laughs> So we end in a tie, but yes, Gunna Geek Plus, we do own for the next year. So if you guys want to make a streaming service, let's do it. <laughs> All right. You know where you should have redirected that to, right? Geeks.live. Right. Yeah. 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 I thought about just redirecting it to the Geeks.live playlist, but I didn't want to redirect to ourselves while we were doing the show. Oh, That's why I didn't fair do enough. it. Yeah. There you go. All right. That was a fun one. Um, you know, well, there were credit to theverge.com. They made it. I did some tweaks and added some background. That's about all. You know, it would be interesting at some point to somehow visit all of the streaming services of yesteryear. By that, I mean within the last couple of years. Like in Canada, there was one that um, <clears throat> I think it was the Shaw Corporation. It might have been a joint venture between two companies. And but they um, they did one called Show Me, which was like, I think it's S-H-O-M-I. And it's it's come and it's gone. But, you know, it would be interesting to think of all of these ones that have faded away over the last few years. PlayStation View. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, would you consider that a streaming service? I guess so. Yeah. They considered Fubo TV one. So I guess yeah. we could say that right. PlayStation View was. And there's there's other stuff that's died that I'm sure I'm not thinking of. But it would be really interesting to go back and try and get like a list of these from, say, five years ago and see how many of them are gone. And I'm sure it's captured out there somewhere. And I'm sure there's ones that I love that I'm not thinking of. 
Thank you. Between Rogers and Shaw, we have a Canadian in the chat right now who just popped into Geeks.Live when I said that. It was between the Rogers Media Corporation and the Shaw Media. I don't know. Anyways, they have some big, long technical names, but they, they go by Shaw and Rogers in Canada. They were the ones that own Show Me. And hello to our... Uh, uh, I don't know how to say your last name. So uh, hello to, to you in the chat, whoever just showed up. Thank you. Hello, Phoenix. <laughs> that's as good as I'm going to get. All right. Well, there was a Z in there because that's sort of what I thought. But yeah. See, we're talking about streaming services. I need something that gives me access to the CBC legally so I can watch Kim's Convenience right now. You guys just started a new season. I can't get it here. It's very don't you own a... A thing to help you out with that, Chris? I already tested it and it would work, but that's technically probably a violation of their terms of service that I'm not uh, noticing. You're being yeah. legal these days. I guess, okay. uh, we'll have to maybe share remote access credentials or something. Remote <laughs> desktop time. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us for our live streaming. I uh, do greatly appreciate you who did come on by. And for those of you who are checking us out after, whether it's on YouTube or in our posted product. We always appreciate all of the listener interaction. And if you haven't had a chance to come to our Discord server, you should come to our Discord server. It's gunnageek.com slash Discord. We would love to have you come over there and chat about all sorts of things like this and some of the other side paths that we took this episode that we do talk about in Discord. There's lots of great geeky content and conversation over that across all of the different channels on the Gunna Geek Discord. That's gunnageek.com slash Discord. And I heard that Chris Farrell just professed his love for the J.J. Abrahams Star Wars films. Nice callback right there that many people won't get. <laughs> no, they won't. They're just going to think I don't know how well, to say it. <laughs> in all seriousness, we've had some fun conversation regarding Star Wars and the machete order of the films and whether that is... What we their ideal way to watch it or not, but go and check some of the stuff out. We've had some really fun conversations going back and forth, and I have to say I'm proud of our little Discord because we've all been pretty respectful when it comes to going back and forth on different Star Wars and Star Trek theories. You see a lot of things devolve on Twitter and chat rooms and stuff like that, and here it's, I can see your opinion, but I don't really agree with it, and it's, that's been the end of it on some of it, so kudos to everyone in our Discord for uh, not being terrible people. I agree. I think I'm the worst uh sp what do you have that you would like to plug or promote well in our discord server over the next week i'll be talking about the ahsoka tano saga of star wars so we can talk about that also uh if you're enjoying wandavision on disney plus we're talking about it right now on legends of shield which streams live 5 p.m eastern on sundays on geeks.live so it's been fun so far there's three episodes out there's six weeks left of it if it goes one episode a week and uh, i i think uh, we talk a, a little bit about whether disney spoiled it the ending itself or not at this point in time and uh, we talk about it on the latest show by the way with the discord i would like to just put out there now i welcome everybody's input if they have any suggestions for channels and things like that i think we're in a bit of a phase where we're looking at a bit of the channels even just impromptuly and uh, that's not a word but i'm gonna say it and uh <laughs> And, and making some changes with the channels on the fly, depending on the pockets of conversation that we have. And I think the community has evolved to a level where we need to look at that and see, is there pockets of conversation that we want to give another area? So uh, if you've suggested something before and it didn't didn't take before, feel free to suggest it again. Like, for example, 
I was thinking it might be time that we throw in a memes channel that there wasn't a lot of interest before, but there, yes. there's been a lot, a lot of sort of just conversation sort of things. And, and, you know, it's kind of picked up again that I think people would just like that little area just to post memes. So, uh, again, if you've got a suggestion and we didn't do it before, feel free to suggest it again. Uh, Chris, what would you like to plug or promote? I'd like to encourage everyone to go subscribe to Gunna Geek Plus and use promo code Chris to get three months free. GunnaGeekPlus.com. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's going to go and wrap it up. So for episode 363 of the official GunnaGeek.com show, I'm Stephen Jondrew saying, yep, talked about a lot of streaming services. A lot of them aren't available in Canada. I'm SP saying I hope you have a great week and I hope you get to watch us in nine take off. See you everybody next week. I'm Chris. Subscribe. GunnaGeekPlus.com. Do it. I think he's starting a product based off of a product <laughs> that's not his. <laughs> Bye. Payable in Bitcoin. Bye. How are you going to subscribe? <laughs> <laughs> for checking out another episode of the official gunnageek.com show if you like the show please give us a five-star review in apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on youtube you can always join us for our live recording sessions which stream mondays at 8 45 p.m eastern at www.geeks.live and remember you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show if you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week. <laughs>